Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Now, the most difficult of faults dealing a pack is after a deck is cut, to deal cards out from the middle of the deck. Now, I'm going to leave a pair of the queens face up, so you can try to watch them as they come out. Julie, would you give me a number of players in a card game? Pick a number between one and eight. Four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Your name is? Brian. Brian, pick another number. Three. One, two, three. Wherever you say, a queen will come out. And so everybody understands. They're coming from the middle. I'll put them further down. Two more queens. Your name? Frank. Frank, pick a number, Frank. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> now, deal the last one in slow motion. Wow. Okay. One more number, Carrie. Eleven. We'd run out of cards if we had eleven players. <laughs> okay. Six. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Did you see it come out? No. I'll do it again. No, I didn't. I was looking. One more time. Ron, say stop. Stop. See that card? Everyone else, take a glimpse. Give me a number. Where would you like it to come out? Pick a number. Five. Here we go. One, two, three. What was the card? In other words, I can deal any card, any way, any It's a handy thing to be able to do. There must be, you know, hundreds of books out there on how to play poker. Um, probably some written by really you know, great poker players, guys who won a lot of money playing poker. You could learn a lot of tips, learn a lot of things, but if I, if I had a choice between reading and studying the five best books on poker or having Richard Turner sitting at the table as my dealer dealing in my favor, I'd choose Richard every single time, wouldn't you? guy who says he can deal you any card, any time that he wants. My name is Tom Sanchez. I'm your missions pastor here at Grace. And today, my goal is to demonstrate to you that God has, is, and will continue to deal you the perfect hand for you to live a fruitful and grace-filled life if you'll just let him. Please don't get carried away with my uh, card-carrying or card uh, metaphor today. I'm not suggesting that God is cheating, nor am I suggesting that it's his will for you to earn a ton of money at a poker table. What I am suggesting is that it is a more reasonable and logical response to reality more reasonable and more logical than trusting Richard at a poker table to trust God with your stuff. It's more logical and more reasonable. If he can deal you any card, any time, imagine how much more that applies to God when it comes to your life, to the next hour of your life, to the next day of your life, to the next year and for the rest of your life how God desires to give you exactly what you need if you will just let him. 
You know, it's easy in, a, in, in this chaotic and fallen world, and it just seems to be getting more and more chaotic. Unfortunately, um, I actually turned on the news this morning, and that was a mistake. So, but in, in that kind of environment, um, our lives sometimes just feel like they're swirling out of control. And um, so the logical response for us is we want to get something back in control. So we reach and we grab maybe a hobby, maybe an addiction. Um, it can be any number of things, but, but what we're looking for is somehow to reduce that level of pain that we're feeling, that anxiety, the confusion in our own souls. And, and so what happens is that we get our eyes focused on our cards and because we're looking at the cards and all we see is, is the chaos around the table, we forget to lift up our eyes just enough to look at the dealer and to look into the eyes of the dealer. What's true for you uh, as an individual is true for the missions movement in general, the global outreach movement in general. Um, especially over the last 200 years, 300 years or so, what, what's considered the modern missions era, more and more um, strategic planning, corporate structures, and business models have found their way into, into how, we, how we are going to accomplish reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ as though it depends on us. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that planning is a bad thing. Planning is not wrong. Organizations are not wrong. Every organism, every organism has a structure. Structure is not wrong. You can't have an organism without a structure. And God, over and over in the Bible, tells us that we need to plan and to look ahead and to be careful of what's coming to avoid the pitfalls. The problem is this. Jesus said... Don't worry about tomorrow. And, and this is where we get messed up. It's not, it's not a matter of planning or not planning. It's a matter of, of um, choosing to place our trust in the plans that we've made and to somehow think that if we just execute those plans, we'll get the job done. That's where our downfall is. Instead of keeping our eyes on the grace of God and on the power of God. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries for itself. The question is always, in what or in whom do you trust? So I want to tell you a story today. Um, and I want you to ask yourself one question as I'm telling you this story. What are the chances? What are the chances that what you're going to see today could happen randomly by accident? What are the chances that somebody could plan and execute what has happened? What are the chances that anybody but God could have pulled this off? This is right off the website of an organization called Food for the Hungry. Food for the Hungry is a Christian organization serving the poor globally since 1971. We reflect the love of Christ 
in short-term emergency relief and long-term work to end world hunger. When I came to Grace about 11 years ago, um, neither Grace nor I had much exposure or experience in the world of relief and development ministries. The ministries that we supported focused primarily on evangelism, um, discipleship, and Christian education. We had people that were teaching at seminaries both in the States and overseas. We had a lot of people involved in campus ministries and people involved in outreach ministries in uh, countries across the world. We had a lot to learn here at Grace about uh, what really is on God's heart for the least of these, for the people that are marginalized in our society. But God had gifted us with a community of people here who had chosen to adopt children, both nationally and internationally. As it relates to our story, it's very interesting to note that there were actually a couple of families that had adopted children from Ethiopia. And, um, and this group of people came together around their common need as adoptive parents. They came together primarily around the need of supporting each other and learning how to be the kind of parents they needed to be for these newly adopted children. But at the same time, that desire to adopt was, was uh, fed, was fueled by their commitment to orphan care in the world. And so they brought the challenge of James 1.27 to us of ministering to the world of orphans. So that says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's interesting that it says, in their trouble, isn't it? It just assumes that orphans and widows are in trouble. And you know what? That's true. They are in trouble. They are the, the, least, uh, the least cared for and most marginalized people in our societies. The whole orphan and widow thing was completely new to uh, Brenda and I. We, we had always had a commitment to helping the poor in all of the countries that we had lived in during the time that we were overseas. But we helped them because they were poor, not because they were widows or orphans. All of a sudden, under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit and um, with the help of my friends in Bridges of Grace, uh, I began to read the Bible differently and verses began to lift off the page. Verses like, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. And learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Okay, so I started to get it. I started to get the fact that God is concerned about those who are defenseless, vulnerable, oppressed, and uncared for in our society. What I didn't get was uh, the impact that visiting orphans and widows would have on me personally and on those in our community who got involved in going and visiting orphans and widows. So we have two cards now. We have uh, Food for the Hungry, who has the commitment to uh, feeding the poor and caring for the poor. 
And we have Bridges of Grace, who has this commitment to orphan care. And into this mix, God introduced Greg and Jean Vestry. Greg and Jean Vestry um, had three children, have three children of their own, uh, but they also have two young adopted girls uh, that they actually rescued from a very traumatic situation. So they joined Bridges of Grace, our community here, because of their needs as adoptive parents to, to be better equipped in dealing with the special needs of their girls. But who would have guessed that while they were here and while they were involved at Bridges of Grace, Food for the Hungry would approach Greg and hire him as their international president. That seems a little more than just random. Greg um, eventually, as part of his new job, uh, would make a visit to Zawai, Ethiopia, where Food for the Hungry was already operating, already had a child development program. And while he was traveling there with his companion, they would discover among this ongoing work a need that would just break their hearts. And this was the need of the child-headed households. Child-headed households are those households where both parents have died, usually from HIV-AIDS or HIV-AIDS-related uh, illnesses, and an underage child is now functioning as both the head of the household and caring for younger siblings. So Greg and, and his companion would visit 11-year-old girls who were caring for their younger siblings. 14-year-old kids who were living on their own in, in a one-room shack with no adult supervision, no adult care, nobody to look out for their welfare or their well-being. Greg came back to Austin with a huge burden on his heart and a broken heart. And he presented that to Bridges of Grace. He told them. He unloaded his experience while he was in Ethiopia. Of course, um, the result of that was that the Bridges of Grace, the people in, this, uh, in, our, in our ministry, were deeply moved by those needs. And they began to pray and ask God, is there something that we might be able to do about this? So you see, God took Greg, his professional life and his personal life, and he used that to bridge between Food for the Hungry and Bridges of Grace. But Greg didn't discover that need in a vacuum. God had been in, at work in Zawai long before Greg ever showed up. A man named uh, Telahun, um, a wonderful man, a man with a great big huge heart and a really tiny little body. Um, but what a man. Uh, Telahun had all his life been consumed with the need to, to minister to the, to, to the orphans in his city. But being a man of very, very little means, really the only thing he could do as he was growing up in his uh, teenage years and his early uh, career was just to pray. Pray that God would bring somebody with resources. And so he prayed, and he prayed, and he married, and then he began to bring kids in off the street into his life into his family life, and he raised them as his own kids, and he prayed. You know, in, a, in, a, in circumstances where 
it would seem from an outward point of view that God was dealing him nothing but losing hands over and over and over again. Telahun chose to trust. He chose to keep his eyes off of the cards and on the face of his dealer, on the face of his Savior, on the face of his Lord. I'm not saying he never got discouraged or never got um, down about what was happening or impatient. I'm not saying that. But in general, he kept his eyes focused on Jesus. Greg's visit to uh, Zawai was not a random accident. It was the result of godly prayer, the result of men and women who had chosen to trust God. That's what God does. That's what God always does, whether it seems that way from outward circumstances or not. You, you can trust him. He's dealing you the perfect hand for you to live a fruitful and grace-filled life. The question is, will you trust him? But even so, God had been in Zawai a long time before Telahun got there. Um, That's one of the things that I think is hard for us to realize in global outreach God has always been there way before we showed up. Where has God not been? And why would he wait for us? So one thing that happened um, was that God began to pull together in Zawai during those years that Telahum was praying an association of evangelical churches that started as a loose association. When we met them, there were 17 churches in an official uh, Association of Evangelical Churches in Zawai. And they had come together with the intent of trying to uh, muster resources among them to better serve their community, especially in the areas of evangelism and discipleship, but also in the areas of caring for the poor. But this area of the childhood households, and especially, uh, well, uh, orphans in general, and childhood households specifically, That had not come up on their radar up to this point. But God provided, through Fruit for the Hungry, an amazing young leader that would help to uh, pull some of these things together in Zawai, a man named Dawit Kasai. Dawit has become a good friend, and he was uh, already at work in linking Fruit for the Hungry with those churches when we got there. And um, we became part of that circle. So God, between Greg and um, Telahun and Dawit and the rest of the organization of Food for the Hungry, God did magic. Now let's look at the cards that we've been dealt up to this point. We have Dawit and Zawai. And the rich history of God, what God has done in, uh, in that place. We have Bridges of Grace and their ongoing commitment to the orphans of the world. We have Food for the Hungry and their commitment to child development. And we have uh, Greg Vestry, who somehow has, God has used to link all of these other elements together. 
So what was next? Well, after Greg shared his vision with uh, Bridges of Grace, they began to pray about how they could help and entered into conversation with DeWeet and Food for the Hungry. And they determined that a good place to start would be to raise $17,000 towards basic needs for the identified child-headed households at that point. And so they came to us and said, can we work on this? And we said yes. And so they, um, uh, they began to do this. Now, their first fundraiser was actually a, um, a silent auction, a barnyard. No, that's not exactly right. It wasn't barnyard. It was pictures of animals from barnyards, silent auction, like that. So there were some of us that were a bit nervous about this. Um, you know, we, we did not want them to fail. And we were especially concerned that if they failed, they would become discouraged. And if they became discouraged, they could become bitter and the whole thing would come to nothing. And so um, on that Sunday, there were several of us that were holding our breath. But here's the thing. It's not about strategies. It's not about the cards you're holding. It's not about the best fundraising practices that there are. The question is always, in whom do you trust? And while we were wringing our hands, Bridges of Grace was praying. They were praying that God would do his will, whatever he chose to do. They didn't think they were going to raise $17,000 in this event. This event was the first in a whole series of things that they were planning and thinking about that they could do to help raise this money. They would have been content with whatever card God had dealt them through this silent auction. But God was at work in you, in the body of grace. And this was the card that was missing. It's a card that, you know, God just rarely works without this card. And it's not that he can't. He can do anything he wants. But he has chosen to include us so that we can experience the fun of what he is doing around the world. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be a part. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need us to provide for him. But he gives us the opportunity. And on that Sunday, you guys listen to God. And when that Sunday was over, you had given $40,000 towards the care of these orphans in a little city in the middle of Africa. <laughs> Thank you. That was quite a Sunday. That was a big lesson for those of us who were wringing our hands. Okay, now what does our poker hand look like? Well, look at that. Can anybody say royal flush? Now, I don't know. For those of you who are not poker um, knowledgeable, just let me explain. This hand is the very best hand you can ever be dealt in poker. A 10 through an ace in the same suit, I chose hearts because of the heart issue. That is the very, very best that you can do. Remember that I challenged you to ask the question, what are the chances? 
Well, I looked up what the chances are of being dealt a royal flush. Um, regular 52-card deck, no wild cards. The chances of being dealt a royal flush are 1 in 649,740. That's 1 in 650,000. To put that in perspective, if you were dealt 20 hands of poker every night, in 89 years, you could expect to see one royal flush. My contention today, guys, is that what has happened over the last seven years in Zawai, Africa, through God's grace, has less of a probability of happening by chance than being dealt a royal flush. To have a city with both a Telahun and a Dewit in it, to have in that same city an alliance of 17 churches that are already working together for the betterment of, of that city, to have the president of a Christian relief organization going to our church, to have that same organization already ministering in Zawai. For this same man and his wife to be adoptive parents, for us here at Grace to have an ongoing ministry to orphans through Bridges of Grace, and for you all, the body of Christ, to respond from your heart with such generosity towards these kids. Well, just ask yourself, what are, what are the chances? This only happens if God does it. I'm not smart enough to plan something like this. Nobody's smart enough to plan something like this but God himself. Nobody's smart enough to re reproduce something like this. This is not a model for how to do missions. This isn't something that you can write down in a manual. This isn't something you can franchise. This is God at his very best blessing the socks off everybody that's just willing to step into his story and be a part. This is what grace looks like when it comes to global outreach. These are the stories I love to be involved in. These are the stories where I can see the hand and the heart of God being poured out on us. And guess what? These stories are the reason you can trust God with your stuff. He doesn't do this kind of stuff to show off. He does it for his glory. He does it for the need of those kids. But he also does it because it builds trust. He does it so that we, when, when we run into those moments where we're in the middle of chaos and we're looking around for something to grab hold to and our eyes drop off of the deal or onto the cards and we say, my gosh, this is a horrible hand, he can tug at our shirt sleeves. He can tug at the back of our shirt and he can say, hey, Tom, hey, remember that hope in Ethiopia thing? Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I, I remember that. That was kind of a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, Lord, that really was kind of a big deal. You know what, Tom? 
You can trust me. You can give me your stuff. It's okay. It's okay. My grace, my grace is sufficient. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Here, listen to these verses. And see if you don't agree with me that God is stacking the cards in your favor. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things? All things. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But seek the first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So the question is still the same, guys. It's always the same. In what or in whom will you place your hope and trust? This divine arrangement of events and people in Ethiopia continues as we speak. It's turned really into a three-way partnership between the evangelical churches in uh, Zawai, Food for the Hungry, and Grace Covenant Church. Some of the players have changed, some of the key players have changed, but the goal is still the same. The goal is to minister to and care for the child-headed households and the widows that we've discovered in this city who could leave child-headed households if they die from the sicknesses that they have. Over the next five years, our, en our energy will be focused on uh, helping the orphans in the program who are finishing their, uh, their education, their high school or their pre-high school, really, education, to do well enough so that they can go on to either college degrees or um, uh, vocational degrees of some sort so that they are better equipped to care for themselves and for their families um, as child-headed households. We'll also be focusing, uh, focused especially hard on helping the churches to continue to flame and refine their vision for the care of the orphans in their own country, um, in their own city, for the care of uh, the child-headed orphans specifically, but orphans in general, either through foster care or some kind of adoption program. And finally, we will work with the on the ground, our on-the-ground partners, being both the churches and Food for the Hungry, to try to provide equipment, training, whatever is necessary, medication, anything that's necessary for these widows that we know who uh, are um, generally sick with AIDS, and we want to help provide them with everything we can to both extend their life and to be able to um, provide for their own families. So any equipment and training we can give them so that they can earn a living is what we are going to do. You can be part of it. You can be part of this 
miracle ministry that's going on in Hawaii, Ethiopia, it can be the next step for you. It can be the next step in trusting God with your stuff, with your time, with your energy, with your dreams, with your aspirations. You can be part of it. Maybe that God wants to deal this card to you as the next card in the hand that he has for you to live a more fruitful, a more joy-filled life. Something great about giving that just adds so much to our lives with Christ. Make sure you look up from the cards. I know some of you have got pretty chaotic hands right now. But I'm telling you, if you'll look up and you'll look at the dealer in the midst of the chaos that you're in, what you'll see is you'll see a dealer who has your best interest at heart, who's made promises to you, and who's done these kinds of miraculous things so that you will have trust. You will have confidence that he is watching out for you. There's some tables in the foyer on either side as you go out on either side uh, where people are uh, with information about the hope in, in Ethiopia ministry, about Zawai. And there are people there who've actually been, who've been on our, uh, one of our short-term mission trips there. And uh, you know what? They'd be delighted to tell you how it's impacted and changed their lives. Just look for them and, and engage them in conversation if you're interested. You can also find more information on our website if you would like. It was our hope to have Abdul Feta come from Zawai, uh, one of the social workers there who's actually in charge of linking the churches with Food for the Hungry and with us. Uh, we, we hope to have him with us today so that he could share with you in person. But it turns out that wasn't the card God had dealt for us. But we did do this. We came up with a, uh, a, a little video clip uh, from the people in that city greeting you. So enjoy the clip. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. My name is Talawun. I am working as a social worker with CHA children. Is why I am married. Me and all children loves you. We wish you to see you during visiting times. We all pray for you, thanking you. God bless you. We love you. Bye bye. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. My name is Abdul Fattah Hussein. I'm married and I have one daughter. I'm uh, working for FH uh, since November 2006. I didn't forget yet a teams from BOG, starting from the beginning of this project. All visitors have a place in my heart. You show me Christ's love, commitment to serve God without limitation and encouraged me on my ministry. I wish I attend this conference, but circumstances could not allow me to make it. I hope I will see you soon. I wish you all the best. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
በጌታ በኢየሱስ ክርስቶስ ስም እናመስል እግዚአብሔር ይዘራ ለማምላኮች ስለዛሬ ቀን ስም ይባረክ አሜን ስለዚህ ቀን ስም ይባረክ አሜን እግዚአብሔር ይዘራ ለማምላኮች እንደዚሁ ጅለጃችን ተያይዘን እንዳይሄን ልባችንን አያይዘን እንጸልያለን በጌታ በኢየሱስ ክርስቶስ ስም በዚህ ስብሰባ ላይ የተሳካ ነገር እንዲሆን ጸልያለሁ አሜን ብርላንተ ይሁን እና መሰግነሃለን ከፍ ከፍ በል በጌታ በኢየሱስ ስም አሜን and we love you too for more information about grace visit our website at grace360.org